Hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading episode 213, Your Tech Life. You can get in touch. Just go to the website, yourtechlife.com. That will take you to eftm.com.au. Don't be put off. Uh, my big ugly head is still there, right on the right-hand side. You can send me an email, get in touch, say good day. Uh, whether it's a question about technology, a problem with technology, doesn't matter. One iota. I'll try and help you out. And if I can't help you, I'll do my best to find someone who can, that's for sure. So uh, lots to talk about this week on the show. We're going to talk about um, using your mobile and um, electronic devices on planes. Could the rules be changing? Could they be changing for the better? Depending on what you think is better, I guess. Do you have any idea how many smartphones are sold each and every month or each and every year around the world? The number may may surprise you. It may, it may baffle you. It may stagger you. A lot of phones. Um, we're going to talk antivirus. We're going to talk Farlap. A little bit of a Melbourne Cup theme as it is uh, I'm recording on Melbourne Cup Day. So a little bit of a Melbourne Cup theme. We're going to talk CSIRO and how they're using technology to bring school kids anywhere in the country closer to Farlap. This is really cool stuff. Uh, and when you think about where we've come and how far we've come in education, um, you may be quite mind-blown by it. Oh, it's brilliant stuff. And uh, it's all coming from our very own CSIRO. Um, and we'll talk Melbourne Cup. We'll talk to the TAB and find out just how important new technology is in this uh, world of uh, gambling especially around this one day when so many people have a quick flutter. You know, we've got websites, we've got apps, we've got um, phones and we've got outlets still. Just how is the, is the landscape changing in the, uh, in the world of Melbourne Cup Day gambling? Such a huge day for Australia. So much money on the line. Um, this is Your Tech Life and it's all thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation and GPS Systems garmin.com.au and as I say you can get in touch uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Trevor Long twitter.com forward slash Trevor Long one word um, Facebook the same that slash Trevor Long and uh, you can send me an email just go to the website yourtechlife.com and uh, find the link send me an email we'll get you on the show we'll have a chat try and help you out with anything technology and of course there is the phone 1-800-157-157 Well, I mentioned at the start of the show that we had some data. Some uh, research had come out from Juniper Research suggesting exactly how many smartphones were shipped during just one quarter of this year. So the Q3 quarter, number three, July, August, September of this year. Around the world, 250 million units were shipped. Basically, 250 million smartphones were sold. Let's just keep it simple. I mean, if you, I guess if you extrapolate that, you're talking about a billion every year. Now, that may go up and down depending on launches, like the iPhone comes out in Q3, so yeah, bigger. But, you know, it's not going to take long for it to grow because 26% growth for the two biggest companies in one year. So we can expect something big next year, that's for sure. And let's talk about the top of the pie. Let's talk about exactly who we're buying or what we're buying around the world. Samsung, number one smartphone seller in the world shipped 85 million smartphones at a 26% growth in profit. That's a huge number of dollars and number of smartphones. 85 million is 
just a huge percentage of the market. And now, to be very clear, that's not just the Galaxy S4, which is you know their flagship device. They make some great low-end phones. Excuse me, entry-level, perhaps you could call them. Hey? And they're on sale in emerging markets or um, Asian markets where you know there's just such competition. They need lower prices. So they sold a lot of phones. I think we it would be useful to see the Galaxy range of phones, so the, the 2, the 3, and the 4, how they sold specifically, because then we could compare that to Apple, who sold 33.8 million iPhones in the same quarter, which was a 26% year-on-year increase. And that means that one in seven smartphones sold was an iPhone. Now, the reason I say that over and above the Samsung is because we don't have that number for Samsung. It'd be nice to say one in eight smartphones was a Galaxy S4. I don't know that for sure. You know, of the smartphones sold, of, of the iPhones sold, obviously there were iPhone 4s and 4Ss in there too. So we could do with some clarity, but we're never going to get that. Don't kid yourself. Nokia did well too, um, with Lumia sales uh, doing quite nicely for them. 8.8 .8 million devices sold in the Lumia um, and almost 6 million Asha units, which brought it back up into the top three. And who's disappeared? BlackBerry. Who's not there? Huawei, LG, all these manufacturers who are just chipping away with millions and millions of phones sold. But nothing nothing like what the big guys have got at the top. It's great to see Nokia still in there. Microsoft now own them. So what does it mean for the long term? I don't know. I'd like to think they're going to sell more and more and more. But we shall have to wait and see. So what did you buy? Did you buy a smartphone in Q3? Let me know what you bought. Let me know what you think. Your Tech Life. YourTechLife.com or you can call 1-800-157-157. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. So the question that Garmin want you to consider. What if there was an HD action camera without the limits of other cameras? A camera that films smarter, films longer. Would you tell a better story? Well, it's time to meet Verb, a true HD 1080p action camera with a built-in display and up to three-hour battery and a rugged waterproof design so you can film exactly what you see. This is a cool-looking unit, kind of um, multiple ways of using it, holding it, mounting it, whatever you like. You can add a micro SD card, so up to 64 gig of storage. That's over seven hours of recording time. It's got a best-in-class 2,000 milliamp rechargeable lithium-ion battery with up lasts up to three hours, and that's recording at 1080p. So, and anyone that knows action cameras knows three hours at 1080p is bloody good. And it's aerodynamic and built tough to survive bumps, drops, hits in air, on land and in water for up to 30 minutes at a depth of up to one metre. So, optional dive case will protect you up to 50 metres too. And as I said, it's got a 1.4 inch display on the screen, on the side, so you can actually see what you're recording. Image stabilisation gives you better quality Look, it's just a fantastic little unit called the Verb, V-I-R-B, uh, and you can check it out and, and kind of scroll around it. Fantastic little website um, that demonstrates all of its uses, including the mounts and different things, uh, and you can see that. There's two versions, the Verb and the Verb Elite, uh, and uh, fantastic stuff from Garmin. Check it out at garmin.com.au. Thank you for listening to Your Tech Life. Uh, I'm Trevor Long, and you can call me on 1-800-157-157 or... Send me an email, just go to the website, yourtechlife.com. Let's go back to calls. Go, Bob. G'day, Trevor. How are you? Good, mate. And you? Pretty good. Did you pick a winner? Um, I'm not a horse 
Neither am I. Someone no, asked no, me that. I just watched them. Someone asked me that on the radio today. I said number seven, just because I just don't know, and that was the first number that came into my head. Anyway, <laughs> what's happening, Bob? Oh, not a lot. Um, just wanted to, hoping you were going to get in touch with some security experts to talk to your listeners about uh, a problem on the internet at the moment called CryptoLocker. Mm-hmm. What does it do? What is it? A virus? Uh, it's a virus. Um, really nasty Hmm. uh, specifically because what it does if it gets on your computer Hmm. it encrypts all the files that you uh, normally would be uh, concerned about so uh, especially for home users and things it would encrypt pictures music anything it can get the stuff that you would most want most likely that's right yes and then what they do is they they put up a timer a countdown timer Hmm. And they give you information on how to get in touch with them hmm. and send them some money, uh-huh. like between 100 and 300 dollars. And you know what this unencrypt is? Unencrypt it for. They'll send you the, de- the key to decrypt it. This is. We did a, a must. It would be this year, which is still we're getting into the year, so it's, it's a long time. But uh, I'm pretty sure early this year we did a story like this on a current affair. In fact, in, because what it does is it literally stops you accessing your computer until you put in this allegedly put in a code. And it's what they call ransomware. So we had yes. viruses, uh, then we had um, trojans, then we had malware, and now we've got ransomware. I mean, it just just bloody never ends, does it? No, it doesn't. And, and the this whole... one, I guess, is a little bit different because I think the ones where it locked you out of your computer, mm. there were ways to get back into your computer. Right. Whereas so you're there saying were companies this... that could could fix it for you, you could get around it. Whereas this is actually That's... encrypting stuff and therefore making it very hard to decrypt, given that encryption is the powerful thing that um, keeps the internet secure. Well, according to uh, all the things I've listened to and read about, it's not very hard. It's impossible. Yeah, right. Okay. So, um, and, and they're hitting companies, and they're hitting um, people at home, you know, just normal users. Yeah, it's the companies that are the kicker because they, they hold your accounting details, for example, basically, as we say, for ransom. And... Uh, you got to part with a lot of cash. Um, I mean, how did you come across it? You just noticed people talking about it on the internet, or did well, it happen to you or someone you know? I, I tend to listen to podcasts and things, and yep. I like listening about security. And mm-hmm. so a couple of weeks ago I heard about it. And the other day I was just interested. I hadn't seen anything in the local newspapers or media, so I did a search and... There was little or no comment about it in, mm. in Australia. So uh, you're right. I've just done a little search on uh, on CryptoLocker, as you say, uh, and a lot of the lot of the the results coming up are international, not not Australian. So I guess maybe that that wave is about to hit us, and maybe you're giving me the best warning we could get. Um, it's a good one. Oh, you know what I might do? I might get. Um, I might talk to one of the security companies, Kaspersky or McAfee or Norton or someone next week and uh, see whether we can't um, find out how big a threat it is and what people do about it if they get it. Because it's the worst thing is, if if you didn't keep your antivirus up to date or something, I mean, the question, as you correctly pose, is uh, have you lost everything? Or is there a way for these virus software, antivirus softwares, to actually help you fix it once you've got it? Interesting times. Well, again, the uh, if you get some information um, very up-to-date... They're saying that the virus checkers are not catching it. Yeah. And they're having a problem protecting against it because once they put in some protection, the people who write the program are changing it. It's the constant so, evolution of these uh, cyber criminals that really keeps them one step ahead of the uh, the authorities, and in this case, the, the software companies we use to, to prevent ourselves yep. or protect ourselves. Yes. All right, and, I'm, and I'm the on other it, mate. Thing is, mm-hmm. any, 
backups if you have what's called hot backups. So mm-hmm. if you keep your backups on on your computer all the time, going all the time, yeah. they're susceptible. Yeah, right. so it's only the cold backups, the offline backups that can protect. Yeah, of course, because if your if your backup lives on an external hard drive which is accessible from your computer, your backup is essentially just a big directory of of backup data. If they encrypt that, then you can't even get to your time machine in a Mac case. But it wouldn't be time machine; it'd be a backup on a, on a Windows machine. Pretty That's right, yes. Pretty serious stuff. All right. Yeah. Well, I know Eugene Kaspersky's in town. He's doing a national press club club address later in the week. Uh, maybe we'll try and track him down. But uh, we'll get someone, and I'll find out. Good on you, Bob. Thanks for getting in touch. Okay, Trevor. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Tech Tech Life with Trevor Long. And you're listening to Your Tech Life, yourtechlife.com, or you can go uh, pick up the phone, 1-800-157-157. If you've got a question about technology, a problem with technology, doesn't matter at all. I'm here to help. Uh, Your Tech Life. Uh, Now, I find it's Melbourne Cup Day, and it's pretty hard to find a, a technology story that relates to the Melbourne Cup, but but we have managed to find one. And uh, I, I think this is an absolutely brilliant story um, on how technology combined with history, combined with education, can, can do wonderful things. And uh, to talk about that on the line is uh, Dr. Jonathan Roberts from the CSIRO. How are you doing, Dr. John? Good. How are you going? Listen, I'm really well. It's, it's Melbourne Cup Day. Farlap is easily one of the most recognisable sporting names, I guess you could say. But the, the story of Farlap is quite interesting because museums... I guess across the, the, the globe, hold parts of Farlap, as strange as that is, the heart, um, the, the, the hide, and the skeleton are all in separate museums. And the CSIRO has been using a bit of its um, robotic technology to bring those things together for students. That's right. We have a project called a Mobile Telepresence for Museums, which is a project where there are a couple of robots in the National Museum of Australia in Canberra. And mm. those robots are used uh, by students that are located all around Australia to actually take tours of the National Museum in Canberra without them leaving their school. It's, um, and it, it's kind of, when, when you think about schooling, right, and, and technology, I guess the best analogy from, you know, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not kicking on in years. I'm, I'm young, I guess, but in my history, I would think of things like school of the air, perhaps, as being the most advanced technology from back in the day. You know, with using radio, literally radio communications, to to bring kids together with education. This is just phenomenally next level stuff, isn't it? Well, that's it, and it's a great analogy. I mean, really, the school of the air was the forerunner to this sort of technology, and what has changed of course, is the underlying technology. So instead of radio, we've now got high-speed broadband and as well as voice uh, in high-speed broadband because it's digital, of course, we've got video and text and audio and all sorts of things. So it really is a souped-up version of School of the Air. So the robot, I mean, are we talking Jetson style or are we talking just a computer on wheels that someone pushes around? How robotic is it? Yeah, it moves around all by itself. So it has a a collision avoidance ability. So the the human educator, who is like the teacher in the old school of the air idea, um, goes around the museum and goes to the various uh, places in the museum of interest where they're delivering their lesson content. And the robot meets the human there. Um, The robot then has a special camera for a head and the students effectively see through the robot's eyes so Mm -hmm. the human educator then interacts with the robot but of course there are students all around the country at the other end on their own computers 
uh, actually talking to the human educator. And the robot moves around then by itself. So if there's other kids in the gallery, it will avoid them and, and do things all alone. So the the educator is doing basically taking the robot and therefore the children on a tour, um, interacting with with the robot as if you know it's the, it's the children. So looking down the eyes of the children. How, how I mean, how many kids could be watching at one time? So we currently support on the systems 15 simultaneous connections, which means you can either have a connection could be one student with one laptop, or mm. sometimes the schools put it up on their smart board. So these mm. are these whole you know classroom. these smart what exactly? And you get a whole classroom. So often the tours are mixed. You might have two or three uh, whole classes of people, and then you know maybe 10 individual students. Now, obviously, the, the Farlap is the hook for this conversation today. Obviously, uh, you know, Farlap's heart is at the National Museum, Farlap's skeleton, the Museum of New Zealand, and uh, Farlap's hide in the Melbourne Museum. So the idea of, you know, I guess having a robot in each place, allowing, uh, you know, a child to see all three parts in, in one, I guess, virtual visit um, is the hook. How- that's What's... right. That's that's how that's kind of how it runs. So we actually only have the robots in the National Museum, and then what we have in the other two museums, where the uh, the hide and the skeleton is, is the curators who are the experts uh-huh. in those uh, particular artifacts. Uh, they go and take their laptop to the location of the hide uh-huh. and the skeleton. Yep. They connect into the system, um, and then the students uh, can talk to and see um, all those bits, uh, all the, the, the curators in the three museums and see the, uh, the different parts of Farlap in the three museums. And they get, they get one tour where they, you know, it cuts between, between the different museums and they, they get all the different stories from all the different points of view uh, of, you know, because, of course, the Kiwis, Farlap's a Kiwi horse, and to Australians, he's an Australian horse. They have these stories all over the place. The um, the interesting thing, uh, I guess, about that is then it's just another evolution, isn't it, to have uh, robots in as many museums as possible and therefore you could be virtually touring uh, several museums in, in one sitting, um, just going from uh, from sample... Because that's the thing about museums, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not a massive museum visitor, but, you know, museums are often, you know, curated in, in, in sections. So you could be, you know, looking at a section of the museum uh, on one day and then visiting one in another whole state or country, of course, on the, on a similar topic um, exactly. in the same sitting. That's right, because it, it turns out that um, there's this new sort of concept of a, a collection which is a distributed collection. So everyone's used to a collection in a single museum, but on certain topics, as the great case of Farlap, um, the collections actually spread. So mm. if you can, if, and museums are very interested in working with one another in this area. So they're uh, they're great institutions to work with. They all love one another, and uh, they you know they they're absolutely non-competitive in this sort of stuff. They love bringing uh, their stuff together. So yeah, they're, it, they're very it, collaborative, uh, aren't they? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and I guess you know a little bit of crystal ball gazing. I mean, what what next? And let's just talk about kids and education uh, in terms of museum. I mean, I was, uh, and maybe maybe this is bridging another place, but I was at uh, the NBN headquarters, I don't know, a few months ago, and they had this amazing pen there, which was essentially, and a set, a set of goggles, you were essentially doing kind of um, surgery on a, uh, on, on a skull, and you could, you know, operate this drill. And it was a very real feeling in my head. I could touch this pen around this object, which was virtual, is the virtual, like, literally touch and feel kind of nature going to come to, to this area as well, do you think? I think so, absolutely. One of the, kind of one of the new things, everyone knows about the, the fast, 
speed of these new broadband technologies. But it's not just about the the amount of data you can shove down uh, your connection. It's also this thing called uh, latency, you know, and uh, it's, it's effectively the time delay. Mm. And everyone's well aware of this. If you have a horrible time delay, like on a, some sort of video chat with your friend, it's an awful experience. And yeah. when you get the time delay incredibly small, you can start to do these... Um, sort of tactile things where you start to feel things and you can mm. uh, you can have all these new experiences but you have to have incredibly low time delay so that is something as we see very low time delay sort of internet uh, become more common we'll I think we'll start to see these new things while I've got you um, someone that I, I kind of get quite inspired by speaking to uh, and, and it's the same with his staff is James Dyson very you know, a huge innovator in technology. And I often say to him and his team, you know, there must be this amazing little secret lab where people see what's coming in the future, you know, 10 years down the track things. They're just ideas right now and whatnot. Is it like that at the CSIRO where there's literally things that you can't begin to, well, A, you probably can't talk about, but C, you kind of can't fathom whether they are, will be real, but the, the excitement around a concept is what drives people like you? Oh, absolutely. Our... Um it, it, it kind of gets a bit irritating sometimes. People come and visit us and they say, oh, my, you know, this is just a, it's like a toy shop. It's <laughs> full of all these exciting toys. You know, how do you get to work here? This must be the best place to work in the world. Mm. No, it, it is definitely like that. It's, uh, it's an amazing place to work. Yeah, great stuff. Well, I love the idea of the, uh, uh, the virtual museum uh, on, on its own, let alone the very nature of a robot being there. And it's uh, good to see the CSIRO's uh, museum robot at the National Museum of Australia being put to good use in education. Uh, John, great to talk to you, mate. Good to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Your Tech Life, yourtechlife.com, 1-800-157-157. Now, airlines might soon be going to relax their rules around personal devices, electronic devices, during takeoff and landing. Uh, after a ruling by the FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, in the U.S., so this is very U.S.-centric, I admit, but let's remember that we're followers, not leaders in this space. So the Civil Aviation Safety Authority might just be looking at what's going on over there and saying, oh, maybe. So what this means is that no matter what you device, as long as it's small and handheld, so laptops are still big, bulky, and could be very dangerous at takeoff and landing if there was an incident, they've still got to be stowed. But if you've got a Kindle, an iPod, an iPad, and you want to listen to music or watch movies or you know, play a, an offline game, or read a book, you'll still be able to do that. You'll be able to keep the device on from gate to gate. Takeoff, landing, in the air, everything. The only thing you'll need to do is, if it's got a mobile transmitter or Wi-Fi transmitter, you still need to put it onto aircraft mode, airline mode. Turning off the cellular radios, different things, to make sure that it's safe. Because we still don't know really what um, those radios will do en masse to uh, systems in the planes, and I'm okay with that. I don't care because I like the peace and quiet. But it's a big deal. Um, you won't, you won't, you'll no longer hear the message that all your devices have to be turned off. Instead, you'll hear all devices should be in flight mode, and all uh, Wi-Fi and cellular signals should be disabled. But enjoy your music, enjoy your movies, uh, enjoy your personal device. So whether you've got a Kindle or an iPod, doesn't matter. Hopefully, in the US by the end of the year. The um, the air airlines will introduce their new rules. So following the ruling uh, that basically confirmed that there was no effect on the aircraft, passengers will notice airlines slowly 
begin to increase their own modified rules at the end of the year. So let's hope that Australia follows suit. I'd love to know what you think. Uh, get in touch. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Say good day. At reply me about the FAA rules at Trevor Long. Uh, or you can uh, get in touch. Go to the website, yourtechlife.com, or call 1 800 157 157. And thank you for listening, uh, yourtechlife.com, or you can call 1 800 157 157. Now, Melbourne Cup Day, it's, it's huge. And, you know, the race stops the nation, as they say. But tell you one thing that's changed just tremendously over the years is gambling. Uh, having a punt on the old race is, has actually become so much easier. And more convenient, I can't tell you how many times over the years I can remember going, two o'clock, oh, I'm not going to get to a tab. Well, these days, a whole lot easier. And Matt Jenkins from Tab is on the line. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well. How are you? Mate, really well. It, it is. It has changed fundamentally uh, over the years, hasn't it? In the last couple of years, probably exponential change. Look, it certainly has. Uh, the traditional way is to go into your local tab uh, and place that bet, and which... You know, at the moment, more often than not, most people do on Cup Day. Yep. But, yeah, there's that rise in placing a bet, whether it's online at tab.com.au or on your mobile as well. And uh, it's a popular way these days to place a bet in digital sales on the Melbourne Cup. Probably accounted for around a quarter of all bets. Well, that's interesting. So we're, 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 we're not even at halfway yet, though, in terms of the digital revolution for, for Tab. And obviously for you guys, it's a, it's a lot different because you've physically got so many outlets, pub clubs and, and tab agencies. There's a lot of other startup gambling agencies around who do it purely online. But I'll tell you what was funny for me this morning, Matt. I had a bloke on Twitter say to me, or ask the question, which I answered for him, if I place a bet at a tab and I win, can I go to any tab and collect? And I thought to myself, you know, having a punt is new for so many people. It's a whole new learning curve um, that, that they've got to find. And, and online makes that a little bit easier, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a lots of once-a-year punters that like to, to come and try their luck on the cup. But, uh, yeah, the good news is for that punter, they can collect it um, anywhere uh, in their state as well, which is good news. But, yeah, look, it, it is becoming easier, and a lot of people are going now to, to online. Our our app was recently downloaded one million times, so which kind of gives an indication to the to the rise of the technology. 999,998 <laughs> when you take you and Glenn Munsey out, though, obviously. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, um, are you able to put any perspective on today, uh, 25%, uh, what's, what sort of money goes through o- online in terms of just, just the tab here on Melbourne Cup Day? Yeah, look, it's our biggest day, of course, Melbourne Cup Day. Around $90 million was invested with Tabcorp, so that's across New South Wales and Victorian tote, mm. uh, and that also accounts for fixed odds betting as well, which, look, fixed odds betting is on the... Yeah, you know, there's a lot of growth there, but it still yeah. only accounts for one tenth of all of all bets on the cup. Mm, it's unbelievable. So, what's next, though? I mean, is it simply that you need to keep finding, keep keep keeping up with the change? So, the app is probably the. I mean, you know, NetTab. I think was it called NetTab originally? Um, you know, the the online uh, betting was was first, and now you're doing it through an app, which is essentially the same thing, just controlled through an app. Um, d- does does the tab just have to continually invest in? supporting that hardware because obviously it's like mobile phones if too many people are doing it it doesn't work yeah absolutely with all the smartphones that's how you walk down the street and everyone's kind of got their head down don't they they're looking at their (laughs) smartphone and look we were the first out there with the tab app uh we're continually upgrading and trying to meet those needs as well so look trying to trying to um stay up to date with what is happening and meet those customer needs is it um not not being a uh a, a punter 
or not being really right across it is when the favourite gets up, is that good or bad for the uh, for the takers of the odds? Well, traditionally, it's bad for the the bookmaker being right. uh, being us and good for the customer. And look, that was the case today. I couldn't believe it. The favourite um, <laughs> doesn't normally the, win in the cup, does it? It doesn't. It hadn't hasn't won since uh, Maccabi Diva in two thousand and five. So, uh, or some say it might be due, and it was mm. probably today Fiorente. But just before the jump, one customer had twenty seven and a half thousand dollars at seven dollars on Fiorente. So. Uh, not a bad little effort. So, that, it's staggering to think how people can do that, but God love them and uh, lucky bugger. I wouldn't mind being at dinner with him tonight. Yeah, well, I'll tell you who I'd like to be at dinner with. It was a customer who, who they picked the first four in order. Uh, they had a dollar on it. They won $118,000. So, what? They, they turned $1 into 118000 They did. They picked first, second, third, and fourth in order. They picked they them or was it a mystery? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't a mystery. Uh, you, yeah, forgiven for thinking that. That's what we thought as well. But uh, someone's what? actually, I don't know whether they've done the form or picked their lucky numbers and kids' birthdays or whatever, but they've somehow come up with it. So, uh, what, How do they get that in the form of a check or a bank deposit? Well, it depends. If, if they've had it online or, or that, they probably, you probably want it in a, in a branch. check, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'd, want, I'd want one of those big novelty checks, <laughs> although, may, so. although maybe not. Maybe I'd want the big check at home, but I wouldn't want to walk down the street with a check that said $118,000 on it. Depends but, how many drinks you've had today, yeah. yeah. You don't want right. to be carrying that around. Well, uh, we'll keep tabs on it each and every year, pardon the pun, uh, but it is interesting to see the growth of uh, online and now the app and uh, a million people using it. It's stunning stuff. So uh, thanks, Matt, and uh, hopefully you can enjoy a little bit of a little bit of a break after Cup Day, but it's all back into it with uh, more more happening down at uh, down at the Carnival. Certainly plenty uh, plenty happening at the moment. Thanks for having me on. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Tech, tech Life with Trevor Long. Now, as I wrap up the show, a word of reminder for those of you who pay attention all the way to the end. A very cool competition happening right now at EFTM. You could win two smartphones. One for you, one for a mate. Samsung Galaxy S4 Active. This is a $700 phone. Waterproof. The hot, It's everything you'd want in a smartphone. Trust me. Uh, I've got a couple of them to give away. One for you. One for your mate. Doesn't come much easier than that, does it? So all you've got to do is go to eftm.com.au. You'll see the links. Tell me your name. Tell me your mate's name. Both of you, both of you click like on the old Facebook page. I appreciate your support. You both go in the draw, and you both could win a Galaxy S4 smartphone. This is simple. You know, there are much bigger programs, websites, everything running much smaller competitions, but I don't hold back. We only do good, big stuff here on Your Tech Life and EFTM, and uh, that's what we've got for you. The Vodafone, I got them from Vodafone, Samsung Galaxy S4 Actives. Beautiful phones, waterproof, rugged, and everything you could want out of a Samsung Galaxy S4 as well. So check out the website, eftm.com.au. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Do get in touch. Send me an email, yourtechlife.com. Or call 1-800-157-157. And uh, don't forget Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Trevor Long, www.twitter.com forward slash Trevor Long. But uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. We should talk to you next week.